Right, it's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. So at the BC Legislature today, there was some warnings here the last few days that there could be a truck occupation mm-hmm. outside the BC Legislature. Victoria Police even had plans to set up checkpoints and roadblocks. Which they did. And they did. So they did set up the roadblocks expecting these truckers. To yeah. Show. So what? they didn't show up, though. Where are the truckers? Yeah, so apparently the truckers, are, the convoy's not coming here. Is the latest intel, but I'll tell you what a scene of chaos on Saturday. So uh-huh. the police did set up uh, checkpoints and roadblocks on all entry points to James Bay, which is the neighborhood in which the legislature is located. I was down here; uh, it was traffic gridlock around the city because there were truckers in town. There were this this, this convoy; these protesters yep. uh, were in town, uh, but they couldn't get near the ledge with their vehicles, and that and they ended up circling around. One idiot tried to drive through Beacon Hill Park in the mud. I don't know if you saw these pictures on I Twitter. I did. I saw that. Uh, destroyed a huge track of land there. I mean, that's like Stanley Park. That's Victoria that's Stanley like Victor- Park. That's right. It's Victoria's beautiful, beautiful place. And he tried to dri- drive his rig with a snowmobile towed behind it uh, through the cherry blossom, the cherry orchard uh, in, in Beacon Hill. I mean, these people did themselves absolutely no favors to the residents of Victoria for eight weeks. I've been in every one of these rallies, these people, these truckers driving around trying to sabotage a, a demonstration in support of Ukraine by parking their trucks in front of the Ukraine uh, supporters and leaning on their horns to the point of drowning out a choir that was trying to sing Ukraine songs. So th- that happened two weeks ago. That, that Those truckers were fined by the police, by the way. There's a new bylaw now, $150 fine for excess honking, I think is the... What about this term. guy who drove through Beacon Hill Park? Because with all the rain lately, the ground is so wet, and it just tore up the sod oh, there in that park. Oh, his truck sank, and it tore up yeah. the park. Yeah. Um, Again, these did they get they catch that guy? Oh or? yeah, no, they were yeah, he okay. was he was ticketed. I think his uh, his rig was was uh, hauled away. But the good news is they didn't show up today, so there's no police checkpoint. You drove in, I drove in to the ledge, yeah. no problem. But uh, on Saturday it was a it was a serious problem. Sunday was checkpoints, but no truckers. I think they went home. What provincial mandates and restrictions are still in place that they're they're protesting because most of them have been lifted or they will be. Yeah, so on April 8th, the vaccine uh, card expires in terms of a requirement to, to show and to get into restaurants and other venues. Uh, the only mandate exists is the federal mandate that yeah. uh, for federal regulated workers that Dr. Teresa Tam speculated on Friday may be lifted very soon. And the one that's in place for health, frontline healthcare workers and long-term care home staff. Yeah, that's, that's the provincial that's one. That's the provincial one. And I guess the protesters would still be upset around travel restrictions. you got to be vaccinated to get on a plane or a train, mm-hmm. but, that, but that's federal. That's all federal. So, There's very little provincial uh, yeah. measures in place. But again, the vaccine card is still in place. It just expires on April 8th. Right. And that is still the plan, right, to, yep. to lift the vaccine card requirement. Yeah, and that's that's just mirroring what's happening everywhere. I mean, yeah. you're, you're seeing this. Although I, I note, again... Um, we're not out of this pandemic, and yeah. city countries that are in a, are in a different situation. Two hundred fifty people died in Hong Kong. Uh, Ian Young, our colleague journalist, tweeted that uh, two hundred fifty people died in Hong Kong of COVID nineteen yesterday. Only thirty were vaxxed, fully vaccinated. Uh, it has a very low vaccination rate of people over the age of seventy, and there's massive numbers of deaths occurring because of COVID nineteen. Well, that's not the case in BC or Canada. We have high vaccination rates in British Columbia, um, and we're not seeing anywhere near. Uh, the deaths that are occurring in other jurisdictions right now. It's really, COVID's really taking off again in China, in uh, Hong Kong, and South Korea. 
but it is also on the rise in the UK, Germany, Austria, um, Switzerland. After being a slow downward turn for some time, it's starting to tick up again. But high vaccination rates should avert the worst outcomes. Okay, let me ask you about gas prices here at home. And we started the show today talking about this, and I thought it was a very interesting one-on-one interview that was done by Global News reporter Richard Zussman with, with John Horgan. And they talked about gas prices and Horgan clearly indicating that something is coming. There's some sort of relief relief coming likely, likely this week. And there are calls for him to cut gas taxes. Uh, some people think, I think a likelier one, I I know you agree, agree on this is that maybe an ICBC rebate is more likely, but Horgan continues to make the point is look, when you go to the gas station to, to pump up and you see these sky high gas prices, don't look at me. Don't blame me because it's not because of taxes. It's because of the war in, in Europe. So let me play. Uh, here's, here's Horgan on this point saying this is not about the taxes. Have a listen. We have tools. Uh, I mean, the, some have said, well, it's, it's the taxes. Well, it's not the taxes. So he says it's not about the taxes. Is well, the, right? taxes, the taxes haven't increased, but they were high to begin with. I mean, yeah. it's 54 cents a liter goes to taxes. Yeah. And that number has not changed. It hasn't changed for a long time. It's actually going to go up to 55 cents April 1st because there's one more cent for the carbon tax. So, the, But the increase is not attributable uh, to the taxes, but the taxes are already there as a significant part of the base. And I don't think you're going to see changes in the taxation because Horgan and, and the NDP ministers have made the point they don't basically trust the oil companies. You cut taxes, they just think they'll just fill that vacuum. You cut taxes by 13%, as Jason Kenney did, the companies will just jack up the price by 13 cents. Yeah. I think more likely, and you and I have talked about this before, I think it's more likely we will see relief in the form of a rebate check from ICBC, which is also tied to driving. Now, John Horgan's talked about a driving relief, not a gas pump relief, a oh. driving relief. Okay. And I think that translates to an ICBC rebate check. Is You've had Rick McCandless on before, the yeah. former hard civil servant, his analysis that ICBC's flush with cash. It's got money to burn right now. It doesn't need all that money in a reserve. It's in a position to give, by Rick's estimation, $125 uh, per policyholder. Ever since they moved to no-fault auto insurance, ICBC's just been raking in these profits. They're sitting on billions Cl- over there. Claims have plummeted. And yeah. we're talking small, minor claims that lawyers would get into court and you know drag out the process. They've disappeared. Um, not completely, but by a significant amount. I think they saved almost close to $700 million this year in reduced claim costs, and it's going to be more next year. Every time the Liberals point the finger at Horgan and say, why don't you do something about these high gas prices? You ran on a platform of Mm -hmm. affordability in the last election, and you haven't done anything about it. You look next door in Alberta, where they cut gas taxes dramatically, as you said. He loves to point it back and say, well, I took off your bridge tolls. Okay, so that gave people a lot of break when they're behind yeah. the wheel. Well, the bridge tool arguments get wearing a little thin. It happened a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but it's true. I mean, it did result in a, I mean, that's that's the reason I think the NDP basically went to, came to power in 2017. It really yeah. hit home. It was a home run in the suburban ridings of Metro Vancouver, where yeah. these people were paying huge sums for tolls. But, you know, that's five years ago. Yeah. Now, different affordability issues have come to the fore. It's gas prices. Childcare continues to be a, a challenge for a lot of people. And the cost of living, inflation now, is uh, running uh, upwards of 5%. We haven't seen that number that high since 1991. So inflation is becoming an issue now, and it's starting to color the contract talks 
with almost 400,000 civil uh, public sector workers. There's hundreds of contracts involved here. What a perfect segue to our next <laughs> segment, and that is the contract talks with unionized civil servants. And it, it seems like like most or all of these contracts are all, all coming up at the same time. Yeah, wow. Mar- March 31st, uh, the BC Teachers Federation contract ends June 30th. Yeah. I'm not sure if QP K-12 support staff ends the same time. But nevertheless, the vast majority of contracts up March 31st, uh, all three-year contracts for the most part. The GEU has already put a pause on their negotiations. They say there's this vast chasm in terms of wage proposals at the at the table. So that oh. it's coming down to wages. The cost of living is skyrocketed. The unions are looking for a cola, a cost of living allowance um, uh, part of the of the package here. Well, five percent. I did the math. Uh, one one a one percent across the board raise in wages for public sector employees equals three hundred eleven million dollars. That's 1%. You, over three years, that's $933 million. And once you pay that 1%, it gets added to the base. It doesn't disappear. It gets paid every year. Yeah. You do a 5% wage increase, that's $1.5 billion in the first year, and you add that to the base for the next two years. By the end of that three-year contract, a 5% wage increase would cost the province about $9.5 billion. Now, there are there is $10 billion in contingency money, in the three-year fiscal plan, but it can't all go to wages. There has to be money for wildfires, floods, and other emergencies. So the government's put aside a lot of money for for uh, a settlement here. And I wonder, Mike, whether the more realistic option would be to have a huge signing bonus for for all workers and only a negligible wage increase because it will cost the treasury less money, but it would put real money in the pockets of public sector employees in a very timely fashion. It sounds like it's going to require some kind of creativity here to get a deal because it seems like uh, we're cruising for a bruise in here and uh, potential strikes, who knows? But, you know, the 5% figure that you raise, like... 5% 5% is roughly around the inflation rate, mm-hmm. right? So the unions are looking for at least a raise that matches inflation. So a 5% wage hike, how much is the government offering? Or have they put an we, offer on the table? Uh, we don't know. Uh, we haven't heard any numbers come out of those talks. The GU is in negotiation. So the other unions as well, but nobody's released any numbers. I was okay. telling that Stephanie Smith, the president of the BCGU, in a newsletter referred to this huge uh, chasm that exists between the wage offer, which to me, it, we're not talking about a difference between 2% and 3%. It seems to me that the, the unions are probably looking for something close to 5% to match right. the cost of living. I don't think the government's right. anywhere near that. All right, this is Mike Smith. Keith Baldry is my guest. Baldry's beat. Lots of phone calls. James in Burnaby. Hi, James. Go ahead. Uh, hi. So I've gotten several rebate checks from ICBC over the last year or so, and mm-hmm. that's because of the lower accident rate. And now the gas prices are high, uh, but ICBC just hit on all those investments or whatever. So we should be getting a rebate anyways, no? Why are they trying to combine the two and trying to get a free pass here and say it's for something about the gas, but even though we've been getting rebate checks for the last year? Thanks, James. Yeah, so an insurance company has to build up a huge reserve fund uh, to cover off catastrophic events. They're legally required. They're legally required to do that. So um, they've hit now in excess of $4 billion of reserve fund. Their reserve fund was quite low for a few years there, but they've had a financial turnaround, the likes of which I don't think I've ever seen before. I mean, they've gone from being near bankrupt uh, to now flush with cash. So I talked to CEO uh, Mr. Jimenez in the budget lockup. His view is he's taking a cautious approach, understandably. He he wants to protect that reserve and keep as much of that um, in-house as possible. 
But you could also turn it around and argue, wait a minute, the people own that company. Yeah. It's, it's a public company. Right. Should not a bit of that money not come back to the policyholders? And, and that's the argument that's being made right now. And Rick McCandless, the expert I had on the show <laughs> last week, whom you mentioned, made the argument that, yeah, they have to have a, a sizable cash reserve on hand, but they've got way more than they need. Yeah, yeah, they, Rick- they could still afford to give a rebate. Yeah, Rick's, so. Rick's view is they've got enough, uh, more than enough in reserve, and he estimates that they've got enough to give everyone $125 this year. Okay, $125, and is that going to make, that, get, that doesn't even give you one fill-up in some cases. Well, keep in right mind, w- w- you have to look at the increase. Like, what is yeah. the increase cost? I, my, my car, for example, I think I maxed out for months or for years, that was $100 was the fill-up. Now it's $125. Yeah, there, there's your rebate there's right a, there, so one what, fill-up. Well, but it's $25 is the increase. So you're yeah. looking at the okay. increase here. So that would cover off... Uh, five, five, five Phillips. Five Phillips. Five. Okay. All right. Kelly in Maple Ridge. Hi, Kelly. Go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to. We um, we were talking about the wage increase yeah. for the government workers at at five percent. I work for uh, Coast Mountain Bus, and we just ratified our contract, and I, they're going to go off of this, I'm sure. Um, skilled trades got a five percent wage increase. Oh. And and I can see I can see across the board. Everyone's going to be looking at what we got. We did a one-year contract mm-hmm. on that. And my second point is you have way more tax dollars coming in with a high increase in, in everything, food, fuel, housing. So there's going to be more money in the government tax coffers to pay for these wage increases that everyone's going mm-hmm. to be looking for. Kelly, thank you for the call. Yeah, so I did a call him out a few weeks ago, pointing out I think the government's vastly underrated the revenues that are coming in. They're actually projecting a, 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 a decline in revenue from taxation and other revenue streams, which I just don't think um, the economy uh, supports that analysis right now. I think there's going to be increased revenue. So there, I think there is money there, but again, uh, the government's approach for years has been one size fits all. Everyone gets the same, more or less, with a bit of tinkering around the edge. Interesting, Coast Mountain is is skilled. Um, jobs are getting more, I assume, from than five percent. Five percent. There's your five percent. There's your five percent. Yeah. I I'd be very surprised if the government's going to offer five percent. But you can be creative. And the other thing I think is you're going to. I would expect frontline healthcare workers who've been through the most in this yeah. pandemic are in line for probably a little more than others. Interesting. Rob and Kamloops. Hi, Rob. Go ahead. Yeah, um, I sat on the Master Bargaining Committee with the TU three times. And prior to the Olympics, when they wanted to get all the unions in line to have, you know, peace, we could have probably got 5%. But when they throw the money out there, people snatch it up. It's a short-term gain. I was trying to convince my members in my area component to hold out we could probably get the five percent which over time it's a hell of a lot more than the bonus we they gave us but they fell for the trap of the money and the government saying if there's any money left over at the end of olympics which, so what's, you know, what's your so what's your that. what's your point they should be careful what they ask for at the bargaining table or go or? for the go for the percentage over time it accumulates right yeah uh, okay bonus, yeah, that- up front is one and done Okay, thanks. Yeah, that's the argument. Um, I've been a union negotiator too. The negotiating view is over time, a percentage increase brings you more money. The problem is, if it's a small percentage increase, you don't notice it for a long time, and you may never really notice it. Whereas you get a thousand, two thousand dollar signing bonus, you see that immediate financial impact. Key, thanks for coming Talk in. Talk to you tomorrow.